0: Hello and welcome to a- another episode of the Paddock Pass podcast. My name is David Emmett and I am in a sweltering sapang with a new guest... Thomas Bourgeois, French journalist, friend of um, uh, the podcast and the paddock, and probably the best journalist in France, uh, knows everything, knows everyone in the paddock, knows uh, stuff that he's not supposed to know. See, we are going to be talking about the uh, so the the test, first test of the year. Here, uh, lots and lots of interesting things to talk about. It's been a fascinating test so far because of. Uh, all the new developments which have been shown the new engines new aero new riders riders switching there's a lot of um uh, an awful lot to talk about
1: but is it a little bit early to be drawing conclusions thomas um hello hello david hello everyone thanks for the kind introduction for the kind words um yes indeed i think it's you you're always tempted to be drawing into early conclusions here because there's a there's a feeling of first day at school, everybody meets each other, uh, already everybody's excited to meet each other at the airport, coming here also, and um, the paddock is a real family, uh, even if there are rivalries, and people are just basically, most of them are friends. Um, and so... Uh, like all families, they all hate each other. That's it. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's a really nice environment to work with, so we're lucky, uh, but we know it. And so... You arrive, you see the bikes, you see lap times, and immediately you think, ah, oh, yeah, Honda uh, is better, or Ducati is better, or Yamaha is better. And then, after three days of testing, we, the, the picture that emerges emerges is already a bit different. I take uh, the uh, an example. Uh, you take Xavier Simeon. In three days, he almost um, improved his lap time for three seconds, so uh, going from 2.03 to, to 0.00. And on on Ducati that is two years old and is regarded to from some people in the paddock to be an old machine. And Rubens' his coach is saying, yeah, but when you're a beginner in MotoGP, having a two-year-old bike is fine. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things happening and it's hard to not to be misleaded. Uh, one thing, one thing is for sure is that all the main people we talked to were all, all seem to be really happy about uh, the material, the new material they got. And it seems that uh, we're in for a really good season because it's going to be tight.
0: Completely agree
1: with that. They do seem, they seem a lot
0: happier than they have been in previous years. There have been years where uh, people have been, you could read between the lines of what people were saying when they were saying uh, yes the engine is okay when what they meant was the engine is terrible but i hope we can fix it in time whereas there now everyone is a lot more confident about it. everyone seems to be a lot closer to sort of understanding the full potential of their uh, uh, of their bikes um also i think the we've been quite lucky because we haven't missed a lot of track time uh, quite often you know you'd miss the end of uh, the end of the day from uh, from uh, the rain and you'd often miss like a couple of hours at the start of the day i think on monday we were mere, we lost maybe two, maybe two three hours of testing at the start of the day for the weight of the track to dry out but even then there were a lot of bikes out because they were all getting time on wet tires um uh, yesterday we what lost maybe an hour hour and a quarter something like that uh, and to day I thought I'd have a bit of a lie in because I thought the track would be wet but I was very mistaken it was bone dry and riders were really hard at it from the start and so far Uh, Jorge Lorenzo has managed to um, smash the formal uh, unofficial record well smash that's the wrong word to uh, just scrape a little bit off of the uh, the uh, former lap record set by Mark Marquez in 2015 uh, with a 58.83 I think uh.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is impressive given, given that he'd done that time shortly before midday, so in sweltering heat. And uh, Michelin was telling me that he was with uh, one the, of the front tires that they were testing, the new front tires, who aims just with rubber uh, to be both um, lasting longer and also gripping more. So two things that are normally not achievable at the same time. But it seems that the stability of regulation that we enjoy are uh, enabling everyone to be uh, fine-tuning their game and to be really, really uh, fast and consistent. Um, it also depends on your perspective when you when you judge about the conditions of the track. Uh, I was talking to Casey Stoner um, three days ago, and he told me, uh, the the, the uh, Casey Stoner is always quite radical when he th- speaks about things. And he said, yeah, the people in charge just destroyed the truck. Uh, it takes six hours to dry. I cannot work in these conditions. He still worked quite well because he he rode extremely fast for a test rider who rides uh, twice a year. Say. Yeah. And I was talking to Mike Webb half an hour ago, and he, and Mike, the the race director, t- told me. Well, two years ago, it was a problematic situation because after Dromo resurfaced the track, it took almost the whole day to uh, to dry after a shower. Uh, last year, there was a 50% improvement because the track was drying in between the four and five hours. It was already better. But Dromo told us it will take time. Uh, they, they made a very hard uh, surface so that the bumps would, would not reappear immediately. And as the tarmac is getting um, more Grey than dark, uh, it dries more efficiently. Uh, Mike insisted on the, on the fact that in turn two and nine, the the racetrack did some drainage work, and that the patches of water were um, lasting not as long as before. So for him, uh, when you uh, when you take in account the humidity level. Uh, the, the the drying rate is acceptable so
0: yeah I, a track is like a it, it's like a good wine it it needs to be it needs to age a little before it will
1: reach its peak Unless you've got Formula One uh, driving on it and, yeah. <laughs> and destroying it at a very well, fast rate,
0: it's interesting because of course Pang lost, lost the Formula One. Or well, they didn't lose the Formula One race. They actually cancelled contract because they, it wasn't paying as much as um, uh, as GP. So um, uh, perhaps this surface will last an awful lot longer um, here. And it's a difficult. It's a very difficult climate to actually build a track in just because of the uh, because of the heat and because of the amount of water. Um, but it's definitely improving, and we've had uh, an awful lot of track time. so Um, Far. I think we should actually start with um, uh, Ducati because we mentioned Lorenzo is uh, is fastest already. Uh, They have Ducati bought. A, a a halfway house uh, bike so far they've got a new engine the uh, the engine should be uh, good to go for the rest of the season um they've bought a new chassis and the, and the new chassis is quite a lot different but that is apparently only going to be a halfway step there'll be another new chassis at uh, Bury Ram which will uh, move further in the same direction and the, and the chassis already seems uh, a bit of an improvement both riders are uh, like the fact that it turns a lot better
1: uh, it's quite impressive i mean gigi dalina is a very clever engineer because when you have an interview with him basically you learn nothing <laughs> so that means he's able to keep his cards close to his chest uh it means he's able to work without uh, making any fuss about it and we're seeing the difference within a couple of years ducati uh, is now the major force mm-hmm. um, with the uh, three different riders, uh, not only Dovizioso and Lorenzo, but also Jack Miller, doing really, really well on it, and it's only days. Uh, we know from the last two years that Sepang um, sort of accommodates uh, Ducati quite well, and vice versa. Uh, I mean, two long straights when you have that much horsepower and that of an efficient and aerodynamic package, sure, it's good. But uh, Dovizioso pinpointed that. Um, the entry of the corner the last part of the of the entry of the corner when he still has the brakes on is really good and uh, and, and he was uh, impressed and even surprised to to be faced with such an improvement and so clear and he says it comes without any negatives Jorge Lorenzo has got the same positive comments and I went trackside uh, 3 days ago to uh, to watch him in places like um, turn 4, which is normally quite annoying for, for bikes like Ducati because it's uh, it's not a hairpin, but it's a very tight corner in terms of a radius and it's also off-camber. Uh, and uh, and Lorenzo was using only three quarters of the track to get in instead of uh, the, the full uh, length of the track up until the curbs like he did with Yamaha, and he did that with Ease. So um, the fact that Lorenzo is using tighter lines shows you the efficiency of the chassis and the lap times. Here. At least shows that the bike is really efficient.
0: Yeah, I mean, I went to watch uh, uh, up at sort of turn one, two, three last year, um, and what I remember there is seeing how Lorenzo was really struggling to get the bike uh, turned. He was practicing deeper into the corners and also trying to get round, uh, uh, trying to get round the corners, but he was running wide all over the place, and it, it was um, it was making a real dog's breakfast of the corners. Uh, then I mean, he, obviously he's got a year of experience under his belt, so he's much he's adapted his riding style. To to, to the Ducati a lot more, but uh, but the Ducati is clearly uh, a much better a, a much better bike. Um, I, I found it interesting that Lorenzo started calling it much more of a this is now more of a Lorenzo's bike. Um, I don't know how. Dovicioso is going to take that, but we shall uh, we shall see how that affects the team dynamics
1: yeah exactly I mean it might be a more competi- competitive situation inside the garage and um, i mean Davi, um, the, the, the people uh, David Tartorzi will will have uh, a job at hand because uh, when two riders are fast and and looking for the same thing, it might be less of a plane sailing like last year when clearly dovi was faster than than hoge well we yeah. saw
0: we saw a little bit of that last year when uh, at the end of last year the last few races when uh, Lorenzo was actually quick and, and he was quick enough to challenge Doviciossa and he started getting in, in, in the way of Doviciossa in the, in the run-up to the championship but... Um uh, I mean, you know, everyone talks about sort of what happened at Valencia, but then again, Doviches was never going to win at Valencia. His challenge to try and beat Marquez there was, was almost impossible um, uh, to, just from the outset. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can see that there will be a certain amount of problems. Obviously, the uh, contract situation is that they're both up for contract. In fact, almost everyone is up for contract. Um, Danilo Petrucci has a... Uh, an option or he has in his contract that if there's an empty seat in the factory team next year uh, he has the right to go to that uh, seat and he's done a lot of, he's looking really really thin he's lost four or five kilos although someone said was it you who said that, that he'd that he'd had lots of different numbers about he'd lost four kilos or he'd lost eight kilos or he'd lost 10 kilos he's lost a lot a lot of weight since last year
1: i mean I don't know the the exact figure all I know is that um Danilo's weight is tends to do tends to yo-yo. I yeah. mean he used to be like a baby, baby face uh, a few years ago when he was an uncompetitive a machinery with uh, together with uh Piero Saki and he went really really thin 2 years ago again. Yeah. Then uh then gained a little bit more weight and and today I, show, uh, I watched him in the pits and he looked as if he was sick. Yeah. Uh so it seems to be a struggle for him and not only for him to keep his weight low but it's quite important also given that um, in the excellent motomatters website I read that um, it's almost 10 kilos more with uh, the with, um, with a wet uh, suit uh, with a wet um, um, in- integral leather suit plus the airbag system um, uh, Danilo Petrucci uh, is not uh, is contracted with the Revit so it's not a suit that is integrated uh, with the airbag yeah which only, well.
0: only Dynesi and, and Alpine stars actually have the, yeah. the, the, the built-in suits and everyone else have got sort of a, it, it's like a jacket which fits yeah. underneath
1: uh, except uh, Ixon who's got the French brand who, who, who's working oh, with yeah. In and Motion and uh, who's was who's, who's equipping downhill skiers and so they've been building this suit in-house and so the vents are, are, are more efficiently placed and everything and especially here in, in Sepang, it's quite crucial because... Um, for everyone, anyone who's been already testing a racing bike, this is much different to, I mean, 11 years ago, I had the opportunity to, to test ride all the MotoGP bikes in, in Valencia with all the journalists, and we were amazed at how much heat, uh, the, these engines were producing. The, the, the Ducati engineer at the time, Corrado Cecchinelli, uh, who now is technical director, told me it's a compromise between drag and cooling. And I was, I mean, red as a tomato going out of the, the Ducati, do, um, Loris Capirossi's Desmos Edgici, after five laps.
0: Yeah, but there are are lots of stories of people. I think Capirossi, certainly in the early years of the the Ducati, uh, was suffering with all sorts of burns. I remember also the open-class, even the open-class Honda, uh, Eugene Laverty rode for a couple of years. He was ending up with blisters on his foot from from racing that.
1: That's why they have all these carbon covers. Uh, But I was talking to Vittoriano Guareschi when he was team manager and test rider for Ducati, and he said, since 2006 things have dramatically improved and the cooling is much better but still when the ambient temperature is 30 degrees it's 50 on the ground and you have to be close to your engine that is uh, i mean the temperature around the the engine must be 80 degrees you lose according to the clinica mobile one or 2 liters per day yeah. uh, so people like Danilo who are heavy built and and heavily built and and uh, also have uh, those those um, early glitches with with their with their uh, suits uh, it can it can be a long and hard day in Japan.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely been hard, hard days. Um, uh, both Pramac riders actually do are looking pretty good. In fact, everyone on a GP17 is also looking pretty good. Um, uh, Tito Rabat, this, it's an incredible change. Both Jack Miller and Tito Rabat jump off a Honda, jump onto a Ducati GP17, and all of a sudden they're a lot quicker.
1: Yeah, it seems like... I was talking yesterday to Stefan Pine, who is riding coach for both Marc VDS riders, and he's an X250 rider uh, himself, and he says the Honda works on a really fine line, uh, bo- in terms of lines, in terms of riding style, in terms of suspension settings, in terms of, uh, of uh, engine RPM. You have to have everything perfect for the bike to be producing, to be delivering. Mm. And when you've got Marc Marquez and Danny Pedrosa, it's no problem. When you have riders that are really good, but not as good, they really struggle badly. And you can see, I mean, riders that were overlooked, like Tito Rabat and Jack Miller, because they were having problems with, with their bikes you put them on a little bit more uh, competitive machinery and all of a sudden they can reveal their potential. Yeah. So I
0: mean, the, the Ducati reminds me a little bit of the or the the, the, the Honda reminds me of the the, Ducati, the 800cc Ducati where the where when the bike was right it was uh, it was pretty good but you had to get it into a, a very very fine point and it seems like only the HRC engineers can uh, can get there because he, he, even uh, I suppose it's a testament to what LCR have been doing that um, uh, Cal Crutchlow has been so competitive, they've been able to get the bike to the point where it is actually fast enough. So Yeah,
1: but uh, Cal was complaining yesterday. He said, Beefy, uh, Christophe Bourguignon, his team manager, wants to run me in such a large large testing schedule that uh, I should be there in five days. Yeah. <laughs> The technical people know that they have to uh, run through a lot of different things to make the Honda uh, obeying the rider. But if you have that, if you pinpoint everything... Then you can have a winning bike, but it's a difficult task. Yeah,
0: and that's the downside of Cal uh, Crutchlow's new HRC contract. It means he actually does, has to put in the work, and um, uh, he's been used as as the workhorse for the Repsol Honda team. Uh, the w- what do we think of the Repsol Honda team? They've spent they've really spent this team working on the, or this test working on the uh, working on the engine. They've been bitten for the past two or three years by making uh, not making the right choice here in terms of engine. Uh, they've focused Completely on it. They've got two uh, different spec engines here, S- slightly different, but um, uh, they seem to be uh, they seem to be sort of tending towards towards one particular. I think the latest spec engine. Uh, what what shape are Honda in?
1: To me. Worryingly good after Valencia last year, because I thought, okay, uh, they already have the new prototype, the, proto- the riders are happy, and it might look like a Duhan if, if everything goes well, uh, goes in their, in, in their way. And I'm happy to, to see that Ducati and Yamaha seems to be on their A-game, because otherwise we could have been in for a boring season. Um, even though, to me, Honda remains uh, the... To me, with Marc Marquez on it uh, and, and Dani Pedrosa remains the, the strongest proposition at the moment because, because they don't have the electronic glitches that they used to have. Yeah. I mean, Marc Marquez was telling us yesterday, uh, two years ago the bike was losing power in, in, in the straight and then uh, the, the, the throttle connection was really, really strange in the middle of the turns. We don't have that. And they're already refining their engine. Um, They've got an aerodynamic package that is really interesting to me. It could be really, really um, a godsend for for Danny Pedrosa because, remember, in all the the, the cold tracks, he's got an awful lot of problems to uh, get his his tires up to temperature. And with a little bit more downforce, even though so far he seems reluctant to use it too much, uh, it might be the difference between being able to heat up his tires and being competitive all round, and being competitive only when the situation the the condition suits him so um mark being mark and uh, like an extraordinary rider and 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 danny having good equipment they could they could prove really really uh, an uh an efficient combination plus uh, you've got alberto pucci uh, standing in for uh, Livio Supo, replacing him, and I think that Livio Supo's strategy was to have Marc as a clear number one and, and Danny to help out. I'm not sure so sure Alberto is going for that strategy. He told us in the media debrief three years three days ago that for him it was 50-50. The, oh, both riders were equally important and he, furthermore, he, he told uh, Peter McLaren that for him Danny Pedrosa was the rider that had the m- most natural talent he ever worked with yeah but a, a lot of people say that about that Cal, if you ask Cal Crutchler Cal
0: Crutchler the one thing he says about Danny Pedrosa is I wish he'd ever I wish he'd ride a Yamaha so we could actually see what he's uh, what he's capable of because it's uh, so difficult it's interesting just to come back uh, a little more a, a little bit for about uh, Pedrosa struggling to get heat into the tires I spoke to Alvaro Bautista yesterday and he had something he's having the same thing with the GP17 um it's much more difficult to actually get in uh, get heat into the uh, tires and, and and grip and so the, the the rear is the rear is spinning and if you're struggling to do that here at uh, at a pang then wait till you get to sort of warm up. Uh, warm up at Silverstone in or a place like uh, a place like Phillip Island, and it's made worse by the by the aerodynamics, by the by the winglets. You put the winglets on, and that loads the front, takes weight off the rear, uh, and again it makes it more difficult. Uh, because Pedrosa and Bautista both of the two shortest, uh, smallest, lightest mm. riders in the
1: paddock. For me, this is the only wrong thing about this winter testing schedule obviously Michelin needs data in Buriram so riders will go from here a hot place to Buriram an even hotter place and then they will be in Qatar and uh, then they will discover uh, what happens with the engine when it rolls in, in cold temperature and with the chassis and, and the tires when when they can be in cool evenings in in Doha because it can be not that hot and to me, um, Michel Turco was asking that to, to Marc Marquez yesterday, uh, don't you fear that you will be misleaded by these two tracks and you will discover too late that the bike is too aggressive engine-wise and that there's a problem in, 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 the, in the chassis uh, because it's going to be two weeks uh, before the, the, the first race and you won't have time to react. And um, Mark said, it's all right, we've got enough experience to, to deal with it and take all this in account. But to me, and that's why I don't want to be drawn into taking too early conclusions, is that it's only a part of the picture that we see here.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's exactly what happened in 2015. In 2015, they got it horribly wrong, but the engine turned out to be really very, very aggressive. And they didn't realize until it was, uh, uh until it was too late, until they got to the uh, Qatar test. And I think the Qatar test then was the week before the race. And so it was, uh, they had absolutely no time to fix it.
1: The funny thing the ironic thing is that Honda had one occasion to test that it was during the the HRS test but they chose to skip it yeah surely with good reason maybe to give the engineers more time to develop the second spec of engine but it remains a risk yeah because yeah. Um, they they're not gonna do they're not gonna be one hundred percent sure of what they're they will be doing up until they are in Qatar. So we might be in for a surprise.
0: He, yeah, but on the other hand, they had Cal Crutchlow at uh, at the Jerez test in November, and Cal was complaining about the amount of work he had to do. I think he I, I forget whether he was there for two or three days, but he was. I mean, he was at it from the moment the track opened till the moment it closed. It was a, it was a very very busy schedule mm. for him. So um, yeah, they have learnt their lessons from the past, and it's been um, uh, it should be a little bit of a different year for them. But we shall we shall have to wait and see. Um, moving on to Yamaha. I mean, if anyone is going to stop Marcus, then. Uh, Maverick Vinales and Valentino Rossi would be the obvious candidates. They made, again, they were another, uh, uh, another team, another factory that made a big mistake in 2006, in 2017, uh, ended up with completely the wrong chassis. In part, Perhaps because they were misled by the fact that uh, that Maverick Vignale was, was so incredibly quick throughout testing, and then they got into the two thousand and seventeen season and found it, found they really struggled with the with grip. They've gone back to a chassis which is based on the, uh, or well they've more or less thrown away the 2017 chassis well it, or rather handed it off to Joan Zarco but more about that Probably in a moment <laughs> yeah exactly uh, as a way to slow him down presumably um uh, and uh designed a new chassis based on the uh, based on the sort of development direction of the 2016 chassis and both riders are really ha- really happy I mean, it's surprising they were both quick at the you know it was a, a Movistar Yamaha 1 2 yesterday the second day of, uh, of of testing and all looking promising
1: Yeah, this is true and this is good for us because uh, once again uh, Honda looked ominous at the end of Valencia and now it seems that not only Ducati but also Yamaha are catching up and this is good news. Of course, uh, Maverick and uh, and Valentino didn't forget how to, to ride within the space of a year and I was talking at Three days ago with the Zillenberg, who's doing uh, track analysis, uh, who's acting as track analysis uh, manager for, uh, for Maverick and, and, uh, used to win, uh, a Grand Prix in 250 in the German Grand Prix in 1990. So he, he, knows what, or 1992, I have to check, uh, he knows what he's talking about and he's really, really good at pinpointing things from the track. I've been with him, uh, on, trackside uh, track side many times and uh, he had to, tell me to show me precisely things like uh, look at the wheels or look at the way his foot is moving uh, in order to to be at the time it was with Lorenzo and then you can see you can see what he's looking at and how he can help the rider but uh, Wilco is a real asset to that team and he said last year we started off with Maverick really really strong and then uh when Michelin changed the profile of the tire Maverick got lost not only Maverick but the whole team uh I objected that between uh after Argentina there were already some some problems and uh, i mean remember Maverick crashing yeah. uh, out of the lead in 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 the states and losing confidence and he said yes okay the riders did some mistake as well but we we can really blame the tires for the fact of getting lost and we thought we we uh we took the wrong Chassis. Uh, this year, the Valentino was saying that uh, the evolution they have they've they've started to grow from the 2016 engine is is not much its details but still it gives him confidence, more feedback from the front and and good lap times when he's pushing so a logical way to ride the bike. So it would be interesting to see uh, how the two Yamaha fares because on top of that they've got an engine that is more powerful and more linear linear in power delivery so it should mean that the drop in uh, in rear tire uh, performance would be lower here in Sepang uh, Maverick said it was 0.4 seconds on the first on the first day between lap zero and then lap 20, um, but Sepang might not be the the worst track in terms of of tire usage uh, tire consumption. So l- let's see. But if 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 these performances are confirmed. Uh, if these results are, are confirmed for the Yamaha official team at Sepang, yeah, they they are forced to be reckoned with. Uh, yeah, and again, also a lot of things are changing this year just in terms of tracks because
0: uh, Jerez and Barcelona have both been re- resurfaced, and they were just terrible tracks for mm. Yamaha. Silverstone is being resurfaced, and even though the Yamahas didn't really struggle at Silverstone, it's again it's going to help them um, with uh, factors like. Um, uh, tire degradation. There is, there are fewer tracks which which could cause them a a problem this year.
1: Yeah, this. Is, I mean, we're thinking right now trying to trying to guess what's going to happen, and that's the glory of the sport. We have so <laughs> many informations. We've been fed with tons of information for three days, yet we ignore the outcome of all this, and this is great because, yeah. I mean, I was talking briefly to uh, to uh, Mike Webb, and he said, yeah, the, the the, this is great because uh, everyone seems to be performing good, and that's what we want. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, aerodynamic-wise, I mean, they all seem to copy each other more or less. Yeah. It was, I mean, Peter McLaren. I had an interview with Danny Aldridge, the technical director, and 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 Danny said, um, "Yeah, this is what we want. We we want um, all the factory to have, to be in the same ballpark aerodynamic-wise." So that there's no there's no big difference. We have to fine tune the regulations, but
0: yeah. I heard that there will be 2009. There'll be new aerodynamic regulations in 2019. Um, uh, but first of all, uh, Danny Aldrich has to send a proposal for changes to the MSMA, and the MSMA have to agree it. And that's that process is going to take a whole year. But the idea is to get to, uh, simpler to simplify it a little bit because there's a lot of unhappiness about, speci- especially about Yamaha's. Uh, solution because they, that, that basically it looks like a winglet but it isn 't quite it 's not technically illegal because there 's a little loop of uh, material sort of uh, t- uh, taking uh, taking it back to the uh, taking the winglet back to the fairing
1: no this is this is true i mean this is extremely hard to establish uh, a fair regulation and i think uh, donna arta and uh, and the people in charge are doing an extremely good job because we haven 't seen in Sixty-nine years of of world championship. The championship so tight. I mean, in the seventies, Agostini was something. Sometimes winning with six or eight minutes in front of the the second guy. My favourite story is the fact that um, I forget which which year it would it would have been in the it would have been
0: in the late sixties that Agostini didn't used to go to the Argentine Argentinian Grand Prix because it was overseas and it cost too much. And he by that time he'd usually have the championship wrapped up anyway. And um, the uh, winner of the Argentine Grand Prix was bra- was bragging about how um you uh, know how he won a race and um, uh, could have beaten Agostini. So ago went the, the next year and and lapped everybody. So um yeah, <laughs> the, we, it's not so bad here. It's not so bad at the moment.
1: Um, uh, I just wanted to rectify something because I've been uh, making Wilco say something he didn't say. Uh, he wasn't doing. He wasn't saying anything about the chassis. He was just saying that Maverick Vinales got lost a little bit. Um, in between race three and race six. But the major blow for Yamaha was the change of profile. And he's happy that this year, uh, um, Michelin has decided only to be uh, trying two different front tires with a little bit more grip and duration and not changing something in the middle of the season. He insisted on the fact that if Michelin did that, it was uh, because of a majority of riders requested it. But the problem is this type of situation... Tends to destroy the work of factories that have been developing their engine and chassis for yeah. the for the whole winter. So um, people want to be uh, really um, really prudent about that because because uh, remember uh, a few years ago when. Donna decided to, to put on uh, to change the weight regulation yeah. uh, mid December, and, and that infuriated Casey Stoner, and rightly so because um, HRC has had been spending millions to develop a bike that when, then was irrelevant. But today, I mean, when we look at technical regulations, we have factories like Aprilia. Being able to compete with Honda, I don't know what the budget of HRC is. Yeah, I know. The, the, I mean, the
0: size of the engineering department are completely <laughs> uh, and, incomparable. Incomparable,
1: yet. I mean, I was talking to Romano Albeziano the, in charge of the development for April yesterday and he said, yeah, we've been working really well and as Pargaro said, yeah, MotoGP is getting crazy uh, on a 5.5 kilometer. I'm only 0.5 seconds away from the pole and I'm in 11th. Yeah. So I'm happy to be in here and I'm happy to be in this championship. So really fair played uh, to the people establishing the regulation. Uh, first, Corrado Cecchinelli and Mike Webb uh, and Danny Aldridge, because what we all the, the top top notch racing that we have it's because of this yeah and also to carmo uh,
0: carmelo espelata because he managed to persuade the factories to accept the uh, to accept the regulations which he did with uh, from what i've heard an awful lot of blackmail and um
1: uh, <laughs> and underhand methods it worked. That, I mean, Shuhei Nakamoto three years ago was threatening him to leave the championship, yep. and there was a political battle. And, and yeah,
0: the way I heard that story told was that um, uh, uh, Espolita said, uh, told Nakamoto, "Okay, that's that's fine. If you want to leave, fine. You will. See, you will. Uh, but next year, when Mugello comes around, you'll be sitting at home watching it on the TV, and I'll be here." at the races. And that was, um, uh, because Nakamoto absolutely, uh, absolutely loved, he loved racing so much that when he left Honda, he immediately signed on with Dorna again so that, uh, so that he's back, uh, so that he's back again. But yeah, I mean, the, the, Espolita understood that the factories want to go racing and, uh, and that they wouldn't. So all he had to do was prove that he could still have a championship if they, if they decided to leave.
1: Hence the CRT. Yeah. So it was yeah. uh, two strategic moves and, and it's not easy because uh, as Corrado Chequinelli says it's a fine balance we're working on thin ice really uh, because if you get the technical regulation wrong uh, factories would be tempted to leave and all of a sudden your championship is dull so now I really believe that we are living a golden age of motorcycle racing and we should be enjoying it rightly So, I mean, to see all these uh, factories being competitive, I know it's early days, but it's a really good sign for MotoGP in general. Uh, Golden age for French
0: motorcycling as well, um, because of Joan Zarco. Uh, uh, Zarco is a little bit between a rock and a hard place. It looks like... um, uh, Valentino Rossi will be signing a new contract, probably sooner rather than later. That leaves Zarko without a seat in the factory team. Uh, I think he proved last year that he deserves a uh, that he deserves a factory ride, and he could uh, he could win races. He came very close. Um, he's been racing the 2017 chassis. At Valencia he was very happy with it. He said he did a lot of things better, uh, and then here he also said he does a little a lot of things better. But he still has some doubts about it.
1: He didn't race it. He, he raced the 2016 version at the last race and he tested it. He, yeah, sorry, yes, that's what uh, I meant. He uh, tested
0: it at Valencia.
1: And he tested it again um, here, but. Um, his manager has got doubts as well, and uh, Laurent Felon. Uh He's a really good track observer, just like Wilco. And I mean, Laurent was competing in the, in the Honda Cup in 1980. Uh, he's then been a mechanic. He's preparing the super motorbikes. His son is racing in Spain. He's acting as a team manager. He knows, even though he doesn't speak a word of English, he speaks with his arms to everyone in the paddock, including the Japanese people. It's quite amusing to see. And, and he came to see me yesterday night and he said, look, Johan seems to be struggling at turn one uh, in agility to uh, forcing a lot. And so that's why I advise the team, you know, to to try and and, and retest the 2016. So the decision on whether he's going to race the 16 or the 17 is not taken. And today, uh, Johan has gone uh, faster than yesterday, I guess. Yeah. 59.5 instead of 59.9, I think. Yeah, 59.9 or Uh,
0: with
1: With the 2016 bike. So. Uh, it should I mean Tech 3, if they want can still race with the 2016 chassis and for me it shouldn't it shouldn't be a bad idea because uh, once again Valentino Rossi and Maverick Vinales are extremely good riders they proved it over all classes and uh, if they struggle with that chassis there must be there must be a reason yeah. So, so, let's see, let's see how our tech tree, tech 3 decides to, to play, to play their cards. But the remarkable things about Johan is that he doesn't get faced by all these transfer noises and everything. Even when we do article features about him, he doesn't read them until the end of the season. So that is not distracted. And it's a very, very clever way. Guy Coulomb said he only rarely had riders that were so, immune to, to stress and rumors and and for for us as a team it's really really confident it's really comfortable to to be working like that because yeah, I mean, what,
0: what I found because uh, I interviewed Kulor last year and the most interesting thing that came out of that was that he said that um, uh, um, he never Zarko never wants to know what has been done to the bike because he doesn't want his uh, his preconceptions changed he he just comes in he wants to come in and say the bike is doing this doing that and it's up to the engineers to move whatever needs to be, you know, to change whatever needs to be changing, and then he'll go out and give his impressions again.
1: There's even worse. Uh, it's an idea of Laurent, who is not that crazy, is just to block all the all the screens so he doesn't know his times. Oh, yeah. And just rely on his... On his feeling. Yeah, uh, introspection racing, yeah. So just like for instance, Sarah says... Uh, racing, tra- a t- a truly, truly mental racing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Freddie Spencer, I was lucky enough to be in his uh, um, riding course for two days, and he's an amazing uh, teacher as much as a racer. He's, he's able to, to teach a complete beginner to go reasonably fast, and then he's able to teach anyone to go faster. And he said, it's all about what you sense and feel on the motorcycle. And, and Johan applies that uh, and he, he relies on his senses, on, on on what he feels on the bike, and he completely trusts his, his crew, which is also a very clever yeah. way to build up confidence in the teamwork because he leaves the crew chief being the crew chief, and he does what a rider does. Uh, Valentino Rossi does exactly the same. And there are other counter example like Tom Rutti for instance, who's, who's technically very, very aware and sometimes wanted to... Figuratively, take the place of of his. Yeah, uh, crew. I, I
0: was told the same about Micah Calia. Micah Calia would go through his own data and sort uh, and sort through his own data, and and um, he was completely obsessed by it
1: that's why he's a test rider now yeah. uh, he's a really really good test rider because it's hard uh, when you've got this taste for technique Eric Buell for instance the guy who builds the motorcycle says when he was racing he was constantly thinking about how to improve the bike even while racing
0: yeah exactly which <laughs> is not what you want to do because that's what they I mean the, the, Mark VDS t- team told me sometimes that they would get uh, annoyed by Calio because he'd be spend all his time looking at the data and in the end they'd just say Mika shut up sit down this is what you've got (laughs) go out and race it anyway get back to the test on to the next uh, uh, next factory i think suzuki um they have new engine new chassis um uh, they again most important thing here is to is to get the 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 engine right because they made such a mess of it last year uh, in part because they had a rookie and a new rider uh, also Rince managed to injure himself over the over the winter and was never really fit uh, Rince is looking really quite quick so far
1: Yeah, and that will do a world of good to his confidence because he had a really rough start last year. I mean, he was testing in Valencia, the track was really cold, and he he got caught off guard in a place where usually people don't crash that much. That might have been some some fluid on on, the. It's just outside of turn uh, 11. You're braking before the chicane and and the fast sweeper, the the glorious left hander, uh, Mm -hmm. while you see the bike drifting. And. In, within the space of 10 minutes, the two Suzuki went out, uh, Yannone completely destroyed his bike, and, and then and Rinch got an injury, uh, two vertebras, I think. Yeah. And then he came back, got injured in training, came back in the States, broke his wrist. Yeah. So phew, it's a bit of a knockout start. Yeah, he, and, he
0: didn't really get going until the second half of uh, uh, the second half of, uh, of 2017. Yeah. So it was a, it, it was a slow start, but he, he really looks on the pace now.
1: It looks like a, a, an updated version of Kevin Schwantz. Really, really natural and smooth on the bike. Uh, um, some some co- riding coaches says that you're the big, the rider is the biggest steering damper on the bike. You have to be loose, otherwise, uh, you, you all 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 what upsets the bikes. Uh, you make it even worse. Yeah. It, it's easier said than done at these speeds. And Alex Rins, ever since he was a Moto3 rider, always looked really, really f- smooth, fluid, and uh, a, a really a joy to, to, to watch in Moto2 when he was drifting his bike and staying on the line. And he's ob- an obvious talent. But to go from there to being a top MotoGP racer, it's a big, big step. And, and
0: especially when the field is already so competitive. I mean, you know, if you were a talented Moto2 rookie, maybe f- five years ago, you could come in and you you, you have three guys to beat. Now you've got five six seven guys to beat and um it gets it gets more and more difficult
1: yeah yeah true plus all the media attention so ron Zarco was saying uh, last year that uh six years in front of the whole field in 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 moto gp got him more famous than two world titles in moto 2 the media yeah. attention is so much bigger you're so much under the scrutiny of everyone that uh, it adds a lot of pressure. Um, luckily for Rince, he seems to be like he seems to be cool as a cucumber. Yeah. He seems to be a really cool character, and it doesn't seem to be affecting him too much. But you still need a really good machinery. So I went up to to talk to Sylvain Gantoli, who's who's doing a lot of testing for Suzuki this year. He's got a contract. He's going to do wildcards. He we, he doesn't know yet how many. He's also racing for the Suzuka Eight Hour, so he's got a good program to keep him up to speed and he says it's all the advantages of working with an Italian team because the the atmosphere is really really relaxed but with the Japanese organization he said after the tsunami uh, all the the old uh, race department of Suzuki was damaged so they they have rebuilt the the, the race department and it's shiny and new yeah. and he's got a lot of components to test he says he said to me this morning that he was going through swing arms he's He's got a new exhaust, uh, a new Akrapovic exhaust, kind of a, a long one uh, this this morning. Uh, he's got many different things to test. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's having Tom O'Kane, which is an excellent crew yeah. chief at it it's, its disposal. So this Suzuki seems to be putting the effort in order to be competitive, and that's also it's good news for the championship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had to put the effort in because they had such a bad year, they had such a bad year last year. So much went wrong that they hope that uh, it won't happen again. Well, what about andrea ianoni i mean it's going to put more stress on ianoni with Rinch being so quick and yet he also has to make up for a poor year last year
1: yeah no, is a strange character he he was brought up uh, by his father using a strange technique he had a he had a younger brother and whenever they argued he locked himself in a room until the boxing match was finished so it's like uh, He's a he's a wild animal. You see him on a 125 uh Andrea Iannone is an absolute he, he's flying. He's a, he's a, a genius uh, line-wise and uh, and uh, Moto2 as well. He was a fantastic yeah. Moto2 rider. Yeah, but MotoGP takes more than that. It yeah. takes a lot of of of, uh, of brains and strategy and I frankly I don't know if Iannone has that. He's, he's a pure talent, that's yeah. for sure. And also uh he's got some gambling skill as well because his only victory came when he, he chose uh on the starting grid, the soft tire yeah. in sweltering heat in Austria two years ago, and everybody looked at each other, things thought he was mad, mm. and he won the race. Yeah. So he's not an idiot, uh, but.
0: He, he, needs, he, he really needs uh,
1: a lot of things in his life to go
0: right, to get things together. He needs to uh, sort of uh, concentrate, and he seems easily distracted. Yeah. The opposite of Johan
1: Exactly. Very impulsive. Very. You need to be a bit of a boxer to, to, to be doing this game. I mean... Uh, MotoGP is frighteningly quick, uh, bikes are heavy, Racing uh, f- as for racing standards, I mean, for road bikes, seven and fifty-seven kilos, it's not much. But at these speeds, uh, they are really, they are weapons. And Andrei- yes, the
0: force is mass times acceleration, I learned in physics.
1: Yeah, I should have learned that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Janone is surely a fighter, but um, he seems a bit lost. And I don't know. Uh, you look at his his manager, uh, and uh, his manager himself uh, looked a, a bit. Carlo Pernat looked a bit um, um, confused because he thought he had. He said, "You know, he's a cep. Uh, it's a uh, it's a sort of a rare French mushroom. So you, you I mean, uh, Carlo Pernat has got other cep in his uh, 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 for companies, He found Valentino Rossi. Yeah. He found Loris Rossi, He found Max Biaggi. So." Yeah. When, when Pernat tells you that he's, a rare talent, you have to believe him. But the chemistry around that needs to be built to, to have him to perform at its best seems to be difficult to be, uh, to be created at Suzuki, but let's wait. Yeah. Uh, Aprilia.
0: New chassis, Alicia Spargo, We spoke to him yesterday. He was really, really happy with it. He's, the chassis is a big. Uh, it's a big step forward. It's, it does exactly what uh, he wanted. When he releases the brakes, he can still um, uh, he can still get the bike to turn. Whereas before, the bike turned really well on the brakes, but when he released the brake, it would start to run wide. It stopped doing that. The trouble is, they haven't got the new engine, and the new engine is going to be a really. It's going to be really important because they are so down on power and top speed, and also they've got two of the tallest and
1: heaviest riders in the paddock. This is true. The, the 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 Aprilia is the noisiest bike around and yeah. it, and it seems that it's missing one cylinder when you look it at the acceleration as compared to 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 the others. So it's it, but once again, uh what you need to to have power is to have a big racing department and Aprilia doesn't have the the uh, financial resources of uh, Honda or Ducati, uh, let alone KTM. Still, they are doing a really really good job. Um even the riders they are doing their maximum I was talking to uh, Jérôme Galland one of the French mechanics of Aleix Espargaro and he said I mean Aleix has been cycling all winter and uh, to, yeah, it's,
0: it's, he looks so thin though. I mean it looks like he's about 2% body fat on, on him or something
1: I, I don't know how uh, how much uh, what is his size is I think he's close to uh, a meter 80 or, yeah. or more and he weighs 66 kilos. Yeah. And when Scott reading saw that, he got depressed. Yeah. Because... Uh,
0: but, but Scott, I mean, Scott has always struggled with his weight anyway. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I mean, standing next to Aleish must be terrible. Because uh, Aleish looks like a... I mean, he looks like a cyclist. Is There's just no... Not a scrap of fat on it.
1: Yeah. And, and Aleish is also a rider. I was speaking to Tom O'Kane when he was riding for Suzuki. And Tom O'Kane was his crew chief. And he says... Aleish is 100% committed whenever he gets out yeah. of the box he's is yeah. a, a, a truly factory rider. Yeah. And um and and he seems um he seems to be liking the bike. Uh, Aprilia seems to be uh, Romano Albeziano uh, was really happy about the work carried here. Uh and I I met him before the, the test just before the test in the airport and he he, he was uh, he wasn't sure about his strength. He, he, he knew that he and, and his team uh, worked hard all winter, but didn't know what what if if they were able to deliver the goods. And apparently, they did. It's uh, for a factory the size of Aprilia. What they did is is really really good, but. But they will need more horsepower to 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 catch up. That that that's for sure. And we will have to to wait for for the the coming test to see whether that comes or not. Yeah. So
0: we we can't really make any decisions about uh, about Aprilia until, um, well, really until we've had the first couple of races when they're using their engine. And again, they have concessions, so they can actually bring it. They hmm. could bring an u- updated engine sort of later in the year. Another
1: good sign is that uh, Pierrot Aramaso from Michelin, uh, who's taking over from uh, from Nicola Goubert even though his title is not exactly the same Pierrot uh, told me yesterday night that um, he, um, Aleish was the first one to, to test the new front tyre from Michelin yesterday and he liked it and uh, with this I mean Aleish is really really uh, demanding on the, on yeah. the front tyre level yeah, because one he's one of, the latest, one of the hardest
0: breakers uh, and really carries a lot of brake a lot of brake deep into a corner
1: yeah and a lot of uh, a lot of speed inside the uh, i mean when you have a bike that is down on power you have to make up for, yeah. for the speed elsewhere and this is this is this is also a big risk but uh Alec seems to manage it quite well and uh, so there's a few good signs but it's it's too early to say yeah it's all right the, yeah. it, it will be all right for them
0: finally ktm the austrians Uh, Last year was the the rate of progress was amazing, and they gambled a lot of times. They gambled on a new engine, uh, they gambled on new chassis, and every time, um, every time they gambled, it seemed to pay off. Um, This year, it's much more a question of evolution. They are at Sepang; they're mainly trying to set a baseline so that they've got something to start from, uh, start with. They know where they're starting with. Um, uh, what they're starting with at the start of the season, um, and can progress from there. It's a slightly different approach. But what can what can KTM do this year?
1: I think the fans will be deceived uh, because it won't be nowhere as spectacular as it was last year. Mm. Going from twenty to ten is already an achievement, but going to from ten to fifth uh, is it, twice as hard. That's it. And I mean. The fact that Paul Espargaro crashed and all of a sudden you have got Bradley Smith languishing down in, in the test sheet shows that, uh, it's not easy and, uh, they, they will need a top rider. I mean, yeah. uh, both of, of the, the current riders are fast, but, uh, in order to do the last step, they will need, a, a top rider. It's, it's on the cards for 2019. But uh, what they will be doing this year is refinement, and uh, hopefully it works. I mean, Paul was lucky enough not to fracture his ankle, and he will be there in Buriram. Uh, uh, Philippe, the press, press officer, told me that this morning. But uh, I hope they won't get discouraged by the fact that they are not making the strides that they've been doing last year. Apart from that, they've got a great technical team. Yeah, um, They're working in a very logical way. They've got a great test team too. So... I can't see why they, they they won't build up on experience and use any opportunity to score an even better result than than last year.
0: And the, the other big advantage that they have, they, they've actually got a year of data because there were places, for example, Argentina last year, they'd never been to Argentina. They knew nothing at all about the track. And so they're sort of having to... They, they were watching the... Footage, the onboard footage of uh, onboard laps of, um, uh, of the other bikes around tracks to try and figure out their gearboxes last year Bradley uh, well both Bradley and Paul said basically the Friday was wasted the Friday was just was almost like a shakedown test mm. uh, the tracks where they hadn't tested because they, they had absolutely no data whereas uh, this year they will go there Friday will be a proper practice they will start with the baseline they'll have an idea mm. um, uh, and be able to work from there
1: but yet you see that Paul was one of the f- was the first guy to uh, injure himself this season you yeah. w- clearly he wants more and the problem is that he's going to be to balance that ambition with the risks yeah and uh, I, frankly, I hope that they will do good because it's it's great for the championship yeah. Yeah. and they deserve it uh, yeah. given the amount of uh, of investment they make. I mean, their garage looks as fancy as Honda or Ducati. It's yeah, well, I, w-
0: I was told they spend, uh, the, it's a five-year project and there's 250 million euros um, invested in over those five years, which yeah. is a lot of money
1: that's that's 50 million a year and that's... Um, that's, that's
0: it's, it's not quite Honda money from what I understand. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, Ducati, three years ago, their budget was around 40 million euros. So it, they must be on par with Ducati right mm. now. And frankly, you, you look at the bikes, you look at the way the team is, is set up and this is... To have that level of competitiveness uh, after only a year is, is remarkable and I don't remember who told me that. It's one of the crew chiefs. Uh, it's not Guy Coulomb. But uh, one of the crew chiefs that uh, in working in MotoGP told me that, well, you put Mark on on one of the KTM's right now, easily it's a podium. Yeah. So they're gonna have to bite their time a little bit, but I'm confident in mid-term. Yeah, but, but to be where where they are in just their second year, it's, it's it's it's
0: ridiculous. It's taken other other factories years and years to get that
1: Yeah, but I think the big advantage KTM has is how quickly they react. Yeah it takes just one phone call to the CEO Stefan Pierre to buy a new test bench whereas in, in Honda it might be taking two. I don't I don't know a lot more time because they yeah. have to do meetings and stuff like this It has
0: to go through the full bureaucratic process people have got to f- f- submit forms in triplicate and get
1: um, <laughs> 17 people to sign off on them And uh, that, uh, that I don't know but I was to Matic often last year I assume you're right uh, because it's truly uh, the, the way the Japanese uh, usually work and people in Matic often told us this is the bench we've been buying, and this was bought in two days because uh, the guy who needed that phoned Stefan Pierre. Stefan Pierre said yes, and the next day the bench was there. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is a, a true situation. Yeah.
0: Looking forward to 2018. Big time. <laughs> as are we all right well thank you very much indeed Tom that was extremely enjoyable uh, thank you very much listeners for listening to the Paddock Pass podcast remember to follow us on uh, the various social media outlets on Twitter at Paddock Pass pod on Facebook facebook.com slash Paddock podcast and remember to give us a five star rating and a glowing review on uh, Apple podcasts and all the other various uh, podcast services which are uh, uh,
1: because it, that helps other people to find it where can people find your work tom tomorrow morning uh, tomorrow evening if you want a french uh, session <laughs> um i will be de- debriefing at 6 uh, p.m live on wednesday night uh, on the moto journal facebook page other than that uh, we've publishing two magazines moto journal and uh, gp plus every three uh, every three months for gp plus every two weeks for moto journal and and thanks thank you david because uh, it was my first time for a program in english and it's quite enjoyable it's a, it's a new exercise and it's a great exercise fortunately you speak fantastic english so it's been
0: uh, it's it's been great right well thanks very much and see you next time yes